Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that will not be stepping down anytime soon to make way for a newer and younger podcast. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. This week, we are joined by Vinayak Mohanarangan, who serves as Deputy Sports Editor at Scroll.in. Vinayak, who also goes by Vinayak KM on Twitter, spoke with me and co-host Bayank about the ongoing Women's World Cup in New Zealand and what it tells us about the talent and future of the women's game. We also touched upon India's performance, the role of social media engagement, and of course, the pesky topic of a full-fledged women's IPL. Now, before we get to that, though, we wanted to do a quick plug for our co-host, Himanish. Uh, while he has been away from the podcast for a while, he has been keeping himself busy. So recently, he developed an app focused on IPL stats, which got an endorsement from none other than Harsha Bogle. So it looks at individual batting and bowling records, comparisons of batters and bowlers at different phases of the innings, and even the much-talked-about batter and bowler matchups. So do check out our show notes for the link to the app. And trust me, it will be great company for you throughout the ongoing IPL. All right, let me bring Mike into the conversation here. So Mike, just like I mentioned, um, you know, with the IPL starting, there's going to be a lot of uh, eyeballs and, uh, you know, just a lot of attention being focused um, uh, on the tournament. And I wanted to start off with just what's on my mind. Uh, and obviously some big news broke out in the last few days with Chennai Super Kings, where uh, long-time captain and really, for me, the face of the IPL uh, ever since it began in 2008. Um, MS Dhoni stepping down as captain two days before the start of the tournament and uh, Ravindra uh, Jareja being appointed as the new skipper. Uh, I have some thoughts on it, uh, just that while I always knew that, you know, Dhoni was never going to be captain forever, as much as some people would have loved that. Uh, the, the transition was overdue. I just didn't really consider uh, Jareja as being one of the contenders. Um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, what, what you made of that, because uh, I personally thought that, you know, if uh, Dhoni decided to step down at a certain point, um, Faf Duplessis would step in for a bit. And this was, you know, before the auction, um, or maybe CSK would go with a long-term plan and have uh, Rutraj Gaikwad uh, as the captain because I think he kind of fits the Dhoni mold of someone who's very calm and collected and, you know, he just seems to be like a perfect replacement for Dhoni as captain. So when they did appoint uh, Jadeja, um, I was surprised. Uh, it just seems more of... Um, you know, who's the biggest star after Dhoni and let's go with him as captain. And it may have its merits in terms of CSK, the brand and, you know, all of that, the face of CSK. Um, I'm just not sure from a long-term perspective if Jadija is going to be uh, the perfect fit uh, as captain. And I'm not talking about the first game, which just got over. It's too soon to make any, uh, you know, determinations based off that. Um, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I, I think Dhoni stepping down was the right move. I wish it would have happened sooner rather than two days before the tournament. Um, but 
I'm still not convinced about Jadija the captain, but time will tell if uh, he will grow into that role and it'll turn out to be a masterstroke. But w- what did you make of that news? Yeah, I think you, you touched on one very important thing. The fact that he gets the job two days before the start of the um, you know tournament really makes it sort of Dhoni and Stephen Fleming's team, which he has to manage which is completely different from him having a say in the auctions. And and for all you know, maybe that happened at the back end. Uh, but I think considering the timing of it, I would be very wary of making too many assumptions or too many, um, you know, drawing conclusions from this season with, with um, Jadeja. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit challenging on Jadeja because the expectations will be very high considering you know the reputation of Dhoni and and the fact that they've done and the uh, they've done well the last time around, um, but I I do do not don't think that there was a clear other you know contender. You're right. If Faf was still around, maybe he would have been a good contender, having captained the international South African team. But considering you know he wasn't there, um, and pretty much everyone else is in their mid thirties in this team. Uh, apart from Rituraj Gaikwad and maybe Tashar Deshpande, uh, I think it just made sense that, you know, you go with somebody experienced and, and Jareja has been around for a long time. So um, that way, I'm sure he understands strategy and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, as far as man management is concerned, there's nothing that's stopping Dhoni, you know, taking those additional responsibilities off the field anyways. So... I don't know how much really changes, but uh, but yeah, it is a little bit challenging on Jadeja to walk in on a team which he didn't likely select or have a say in. I think Dhoni's shadow will be very, very prominent uh, throughout the course of the season uh, while Jadeja will be captain. Um, I mean, you're you're not going to stop seeing Dhoni still kind of marshalling the field and you know giving advice to Jadeja. And I think that's the way it should be, uh, especially for someone very new and with very limited captaincy experience, I think that's probably the idea. So that, you know, Dhoni's announcement was essentially to ease in uh, Jadeja and then probably either midway through the tournament, as some believe, or at the end of the season where Dhoni just decides to retire altogether. Um, and I think this I, the idea is for Jadeja to be in a good frame uh, pretty much by the end of the tournament. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We don't have enough time in this segment to talk about Dhoni's legacy as captain because that's really worthy of an entire episode. Uh, suffice to say that as uh, uh, a loyal CSK fan, there is a tinge of melancholy over seeing Dhoni step down because as far as ever since I started watching the IPL, for me, Dhoni is... Uh, you know, he he's always equated with CSK for me. He is CSK. Uh, and, and I'm talking about Dhoni, the captain, not necessarily, you know, the keeper or the batter. Um, so just for him not to go to the toss and give those famous post-match uh, talks, it's going to get some um, getting used to. Uh, but he's achieved a lot. And he, you know, he leaves as one of the most successful captains uh, in the IPL and just an all-round great leader that all players that who have played for him throughout the years have only good things to say about. Yeah, um, but if, let's... if I had to sum up Dhoni's captaincy for CSK in one moment, it was the final of the first IPL when uh, Rajasthan Royals and CSK were playing and Rajasthan ended up winning. 
Um, usually you see the, you know, losing team just walk away, being shattered, being, you know, disappointed. But at that point, Dhoni called his troops. He made a circle around the pitch and they chatted about it. And they said, you know, obviously I don't know what they said, but it was sort of a way of him saying, we did a great job. We came to the final. This is a spectacular achievement. And I think that is what Dhoni's man management is all about. He's, you know, he's very solid no matter what the situation is. Uh, he's very consistent, and and I think that sums up his. Um, to my to me, that sums up his. You know, um, just band management and his ability to manage folks around Chennai. Agreed. And one day we will do uh, a full episode on Dhoni the captain, and uh, we'll we'll touch on a lot of things. But moving on from that, let's talk about international cricket for a bit, because Mike, I know you have some thoughts on the. Uh, ongoing series between England and West Indies. Yeah, it's so it was one of the things that I've always, um, you know, read about in the last five years or so that England, whenever they go to West Indies, they underperform and they don't, you know, somehow get the results that everybody's expecting. Um, we've all known that the West Indies in the last decade, at least, you could say 2010s onward, 2010 onwards, um, has been a mediocre side. And England have had some very good years and during that. So the expectation is that they'll go and they'll win. But somehow West Indies turns up uh, the music and just turns on, uh, you know, either managed to draw or, or somehow win. And they're looking pretty good right now as well um, in, in the third test. But one of the stats that I came across this week on Twitter was just mind-blowing. And that, that was England have won just one test series in the West Indies in the last 50 years. That's 5-0, so half a century. Wow. And in that time, yeah. they won thrice in Australia, four times in India, three times in South Africa, four times in New Zealand, four times in Sri Lanka. The only other country where they won just uh, once is Pakistan, but they've probably paid you know much fewer uh, series there considering everything that's happened in the last 15 years. So... That's just been a very staggering uh, record that uh, you know was brought to my attention by Jonas on, or Crick Analytics on Twitter, and it just goes to show that West Indies just have a way of you know finding their best, and you know they'll have some stars who'll step up and just perform uh, each time England turns up. Um, as an example, in in the twenty eighteen the last tour when England went there in twenty eighteen, they had a test match where they were bundled out for seventy seven. In the next test match, mm-hmm. they failed to cross 200 in both innings. And they, had, you know, by the time that test match got over, they had already lost the series 2-0. And even though they did fight back in the third test, it was obviously too late. Um, so they've always found these heroes who do well. And I guess in this test, you could say the hero was not just Joshua De Silva with his brilliant 100, but Kyle Mayers, who's been performing you know, spectacularly with the ball, which I don't think anybody had expected. Um, so... Just one of those stories for West Indies. It is just a very freakish stat. I mean, the, cricket is just a, an amazing game where some of the most obscure stats are just hard to understand, like hard to understand why. This is one such thing. Like England over the last 50 years have not always been the best team in the world, but that doesn't explain how, you know, they've only won one series because West Indies themselves apart from probably a decade and a half, they haven't been at their best either. Uh, and especially since the 90s, it's staggering to me that England have not been able to win um, in West Indies. So 
I, I don't understand. Yeah, it, like like you said, I think it's a combination of West Indies players uh, just pumping themselves up for when it, whenever England are in their shore. It's just that this is a proud record. It's a proud legacy that we have to maintain somehow, and that fires them up. Whereas England, maybe they're is having the opposite effect where they they're probably they have it in their heads like oh it's incredibly hard to win here so uh, we have to you know they overthink and they probably overanalyze and that's what what ends up happening yeah. so i think it definitely could be the case i will say though that in the last five years you can still kind of explain why england have not done well because at the end of the day um, West Indies, since the, as, as Jared Kimber likes to say, uh, pace bowling pandemic started, um, West Indies has been the country with the lowest pace bowling average with at just 22. So, it, and they have, you know, obviously they have Kimar Roach, but they have other talented bowlers who step up every time. And you add that with the fact that English batting has been rocky for, you know, three, four years with obviously Root being solid and, and Ben Stokes stepping up every once in a while, but the others have moved around quite a bit, especially since the retirement of Alistair Cook. So you can still sort of explain the last five years and the last two tours being, you know, not so great. Um, but that doesn't explain 50 years worth of, you know, non-performance. Uh, so I, yeah, it, it probably is also something, um, you know, mental or in terms of preparation, maybe they're not giving themselves enough time to go there and, and prepare like they do with, you know, say the ashes where they go well in advance, play some practice games, but, um, but still 50 years is a long time. And I don't think, you know, we, the schedules, international schedules were as tight, say in the nineties. So, um, still a very shocking record. Yeah. Even as we speak, um, you know, England has lost another wicket, essentially they're 39 for four, just having lost, uh, the wicket of Ben Stokes, and they're still trailing by 54 runs. Uh, so it looks like West Indies, um, I mean, that a lot can happen between now and, you know, the conclusion of this game. But uh, yeah, it looks like that uh, stretch is going to continue for just a little bit longer. Uh, but anyways, let's get to our episode. Uh, let's get to our conversation with uh, Vinayak in just a moment. Hey, y'all, this is Benny the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started.
So Vinayak, uh, so let's start with the World Cup, the ongoing World Cup. And uh, for our listeners, uh, we recorded this on um, March 22nd or 23rd for probably people in India. Um, so by the time you listen to this, uh, it may seem a little bit outdated, but at this point, uh, we have about six league games left. Um, and already we have seen some fantastic cricket. I personally think this has been a great advertisement for women's cricket. And uh, out of the 22 games so far, 10 have been decided in the last three overs of the game. Um, it has, it, I, I've anecdotally, I've heard uh, and read about how people who are not very familiar with women's cricket tuning in. And I mean, that's the point of the World Cup, right? You get these more viewers than normally would tune in. And to see some of the stars, um, you know, I, I posted a tweet, uh, I think a week ago about some of the cricketers that I've only like read about or heard about, but for the first time I was following them more closely and just absolutely impressed with them. Uh, but uh, Vinayak, I'm just curious about your thoughts on the World Cup so far. Uh, what is your take on the results? Just, just like a broad overview, what are your thoughts? Um, it's been it's been a fantastic tournament. There's absolutely no denying that. Uh, I think the fact that it's happening five years after 2017 and not four years is already kind of a long wait for right. it because of the postponement last year. And I, I think there was a sense just before the tournament started that the momentum that had been built in the last couple of years had had, had been lost a little bit. Uh, because 2017 was an epic uh, tournament for many reasons, for not just for England or India, but just for the game in general, it was a it was an epic tournament with you know playing in front of a packed lords, uh, that sort of a thrilling final, and it, it felt like a watershed moment for a few for a few uh, aspects, and then you had the standalone T20 World Cup in 2018 when you know the it was not just like a precursor to the women uh, men's uh, World T20. You know, the match in the afternoon for women and the match in the evening for men. Uh, it went by itself to the Caribbean and there was a little bit of a, you know, will this work, will this, will this, you know, backfire. And then that was a big success in the Caribbean in 2018. And then you had the, another T20 World Cup in 2020, which is, I think, probably will go down, in, you know, when we see, look back a decade from now, maybe as one of the pivotal moments in the game uh, with, you know, 80,000 plus at MCG for the final. And after all that, and, you know, in three, four years, there was a lot of excitement to see where the ODI World Cup goes next. And then there was a complete screeching halt. And, right. you know, there have, there have been studies done on how, you know, the women's sport has been affected more than the men's sport across the globe by the pandemic, right? I mean, it's not, the pandemic has not affected men's and women's sport equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just cricket, right? And uh, it, it felt like that. When you know the uh, the momentum that had been built three four years uh, through you know very good work uh, had had been uh, like stopped for whatever reason, uh, so it was necessary for this World Cup to start well, and I think it, the the first match itself set the tone for it, and from there on it's just been getting better and better. Like the the first the, the tournament opener was uh, absolute thriller, you know, to see West Indies come out of not many gave West Indies a chance to be right. in the top four, but right. they came and. Uh, push New Zealand all the way. New Zealand, who had been red hot coming into the tournament, and it was a great match. Uh, I mean, it had its uh, moments of brill- individual brilliance, collective brilliance, and all that. So it's just it could have couldn't have had a better start. And from there on, it's just been carrying on from strength to strength, and it's nice. Just that you know, 
given the context to it, the World Cup has just seemingly carried off from where it left off in 2017. I think that's that's been the most important part of the tournament so far. Yeah, and, and I want to kind of talk about the quality of the cricket a little bit more because th there is no doubt that the Women's World Cup has a lot of goodwill and I'm seeing a lot more engagement on social media, you know, men's cricketers, both current and former, cricket, former cricketers are talking about it and tweeting about it. Um, so the quality of, so the goodwill part is taken care of. Now the actual quality of the cricket itself, I feel that there's always an unfair comparison of women's cricket with men's cricket. And there's a lot of scrutiny, especially with more eyeballs, with a lot more people like now taking up women's cricket and following it more closely. There's always this comparison with men's cricket. So in in that context, you know, there, you know, as much as there have been some close games so far, a lot of the time the attention focuses on like something like dropped catches, for instance. There are a lot of simple catches that are dropped and or it can be the slower scoring. You don't see scores like 300 uh, very frequently. So in that context, how do you feel about the quality of the cricketing action? A um, couple of things right away. I think the the quality of cricket and you know the quality of the eight teams in the World Cup has never been closer in the tournament. I mean, I am not uh, I'm not someone who has followed the Women's World Cup uh, ODI World Cup from the start, right? I mean, I, I don't remember, like, I, I don't even remember anything about the 2005 Women's World Cup, but I know all the details from the 2003 Men's World Cup, right? right? I mean, yeah. because right. we grew up yeah. watching all that and uh, I barely have any memory of reading about the World Cups before. Now, now it's part of my job and I'm doing this as, you know, as, as my part of my daily routine. So there is no comparison in terms of the history of the tournaments for me personally. Um, so when we talk about the quality of the tournament itself, I think from a standalone, just as a cricket tournament, uh, this has been fantastic just for the sheer number of thrillers that we have had, just for the sheer ebbs and flows of the tournament. Um, the catching, for example, that you mentioned, while there have been sitters dropped, there have been absolute spectacular catches, at least Absolutely. six, seven of them that have been taken on the other side. Right. Uh, it's I, I, I personally don't lend too much weightage to such uh, logic. I, I watch it as a cricket tournament. I don't watch it as a women's cricket tournament. Mm. That is my personal, like, when I, when I tune in, I, I watch it for the cricket. Right. Right. So, and the 300 plus scores, that is also, that is something that's changed. I mean, we had, like, at the start of the tournament, Australia made 310 and New Zealand, uh, England nearly chased it. Uh, they, right. they came 10 run short. So, and we've had two 270 plus chases from Australia. Uh, the run scoring has been constantly on the rise in the last couple of World Cups and it's just carrying on that trend. I don't have the exact numbers with me right now as where the trend is heading. Uh, but I think in terms of general, the quality of cricket has been fantastic. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Right. And I think that as far as comparison to men's cricket goes, I... Um, it's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, I I get where people come from. I mean, people a lot of people have grown up watching men's cricket, so that's obviously their fallback to uh, you know. Okay, so if I if I see something now, I tend to compare it to what I know. Right. And for right. a lot of people, what they know is men's cricket. So I'm actually, I mean, I I'm not too fussed about comparison and people saying, oh, you know, I I slow and all that. It's just to each their own is what I think. 
if you look at it as a just a cricket tournament that giving us a lot of good moments good matches good performances it's fantastic like i don't right. need a i don't see a need to right. compare it to any of the other existing commodities each have their own place in the game i mean there are i, I just yeah it's I, in its own it's it's been a great tournament yes and i agree with that completely because i'll i'll admit i when i really got into women's cricket a, a couple of years ago it was so easy for me to compare it with men's cricket everything was in the context of there's cricket and there's women's cricket like i didn't even like think of it as men's cricket you know um and that's how i kind of like started following women's cricket and that too i was not following all of that i was only following like whenever the indian women were playing um but something like the world cup it's it it's kind of helped me change those perceptions because i've actually been following every day if if not live i've been actually catching up with the highlights and following some of these really really talented cricketers and i've grown to understand that it's kind of ridiculous to compare it because it's you might as well like let's if we are following like you know state level cricket you're not going to compare that with international cricket and in the same sense men's cricket it's a different field from women's cricket and i've really learned to appreciate uh especially the cricketers who have been displaying their talents over the last few weeks so uh, let's let's talk about them you know uh, some of the cricketers that i've not really followed closely till this woke up um hayley matthews um the Kerr sisters especially amelia Kerr, um among uh you know, in among the Indian women's team, there's Richa Ghosh, uh, Yastika Bhatia, uh, with England, uh, Sophia Dunkley. Um, for me personally, uh, a couple of other uh, my other favorites are uh, Nat Siver and uh, South Africa. Uh, they've got some really good players. Um, I, I don't know if Marizan Cap would fall under the you know the criteria of under the age of 25, but you know these are the the kind of talented cricketers that. I've, I've like noticed for the first time and I know I mentioned like the drop catches, but then you see some fantastic catches that the men would be proud of if they were uh, able to grab those. So in terms of that, do you see, do you see that as a good sign for the future like of women's cricket with the kind of cricketers who are coming up? Because for a long time, I guess you could say the, the power center of Australia, the power center of women's cricket was probably Australia and England. But now you see all these other teams producing some really classy cricketers. Do you do you see that as a sign that this is something new and exciting for women's cricket, or do you think that it's really always been the case? It's just the spotlight is now more on them. It's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, honestly, the power center is still Australia. I mean, there's there's not. I don't think this World Cup has quite. I mean, for all its great matches and thrilling encounters i don't think that has changed per se because it's still there is still a little bit of gulf between australia right. and the rest and i think that's that's already shown in this world cup and i i won't be surprised by by the time that you know we look back at this world cup they would have another one to their cabinet i mean it will require something really really incredible to stop right. that the australian team uh, but that said uh, like elise perry uh, for example has said in a press conference that you know, all the World Cups that she's been a part of, and she's been a part of a few, that this is the, the closest the World Cup has right. ever been in, in her experience. Right. And, and, and a couple of Australians have said that. I mean, it's 
they're probably just saying it, but I mean, you could see that they right. mean it, right? I mean, and the people who have commented on the game, people who have watched the game longer than, you know, most of us have uh, in our lives, they feel that the, the competition has never been closer, right? In terms of where the the teams stand. And, and there are teams that are trying to catch up to Australia. There is obviously that. I think they're the benchmark. There is There is no denying that. In terms of where the women's game is heading, I mean, it's we are now looking at it from a World Cup and an Australia and you know international teams point of view. But the WBBL has already shown that, and you know the other tournaments, the hundred and you know, when the KSL was happening, um, even even the exhibition women's T20 challenge that you know the even if it's just for the namesake uh, tournament that the BCCI holds, we've seen that the talent. It's, there's no, there is absolutely no dearth of talent. Uh, Amelia Kerr was part of the women's T20 challenge, and she almost won the won the title for her side. And I think for the first edition, uh, she was brilliant there. I mean, people saw her then; they would have known that what a what a huge talent she is. And she went on to score a double century. Uh, she has and, and took a fifer and double century in one ODI against Ireland. You know, and she did that as a teenager. And the talent has always just been there. Uh, WBBL has shown the, the catching, for instance, in the WBBL is is out of the world. Like so I think the last edition, not the current one, the last edition, I remember doing a thread. Like I mean, we, we just we, we, every day we think we've saw, we've seen a good catch. The next day there there'd be another right. catch that you know uh, over overdid it. So that sort of thing has been happening for a while and and I, you're right in the sense that you know a ICC cricket world cup is probably the biggest stage for it to be mainstream i think that is that is probably the word to use there because it's a world cup makes it mainstream and people a casual viewer in the morning like i, I just pick my parents for example right i mean they watch cricket they they do watch cricket whenever it's on but they've they've seen more of this during the World Cup than at right. any other point of time in their lives. And they're, they're curious and they're trying to ask, you know, who's that, who's this and who's good, who's not. So that sort of a casual viewership will only increase during a, a global tournament. And it's something that the game should latch on and, you know, build from there. That's, that's typically how you would you would grow a game. And, and, and they couldn't have asked for a better uh, platform so far than what we've seen in the, the World Cup. So in terms of the talent that is coming up, I mean, there's just abundance of talent everywhere around the game it's just uh it's a great platform that you know we're all seeing that come out of the uh the world cup and i think the, the other end of the spectrum is also how we've seen not just young talent right not a, a group of you know people on the other side of yeah. 30 so to speak not the wrong side the other side uh, they've <laughs> they've they've shown that you know they're, they're they can learn and adapt and they can evolve and they can match Right. Uh, they can match the youngsters in flying around and uh, grabbing stunners and you know uh, scoring quick fire fifties and whatever. I mean, Sophie Divine is not young. I mean, she is still like showing what what a great player she is. And how many how many in India would probably know Sophie Divine? And when they see her batting, she is absolute bona fide great yeah. of the game. So it's just and likes of Mitali and Julan. You know, they're at thirty nine, still going strong. Julan is. A pacer, you know, Indian pacer playing for 20 years and at 39, she is still right. your, you know, spirit. It's it's a stuff of, you know, inspiration. I mean, someone sees a tournament and it's not just about the younger people coming up who are going to make you feel, you know, the game is in a good place. But it's also the, the, the veterans doing well and, you know, giving it one last go at a World Cup, so to speak. You know, even that, I think, is part of the 
narrative that's that's you know when on. i started following the, this world cup you know i was expecting to see like the more established names that i was familiar with uh, like the Ellie Sperry or like Sprinty Mandana or uh, you know like Sophie Devine like you mentioned uh, but someone like Shabnam Ismail and Marizan Cup I was not really familiar with I've not really followed South African cricket so much and I have to say I've, I've become a huge fan of uh, Marizan Cup like she's been so passionate on the field she's been brilliant with bat and ball and she seems like a tremendous teammate always encouraging uh, the players around her. So she's been my personal standout uh, player. Is there someone like that who has impressed you, like in this tournament, who e either that, you know, has come uh, somehow stepped in front of probably the more established players and, you know, has impressed you the most? So uh, Marizan Cap is maybe she's in contention for MVP of the tournament right. as things stand. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And uh, if I could just plug something here, you know, there's a, there's a brilliant article on Scroll uh, about Marizan Cap written yeah. by Ananya Upendran. She's a yeah. Indian Indian domestic uh, cricketer. She's, she played for Hyderabad and she's a pacer. She she loves pace. And so she's spoken to Danny Van Niekerk, who is uh, Marizan Cap's partner and, you know, the captain, South African captain, who was not there in the, in the World Cup because of an injury. Uh, she's spoken to her about uh, what a cricketer Marizan Cap is, and what what are the sides to her, and all that that we see on the field. There is so many, so right. much more to her than that, and you know how the journey from 2017, uh, like in the 2017 World Cup semi-final uh, uh, between England and South Africa, they were just shattered. South Africa was shattered at the end of it. You know, a close match that went against them. You know, Cap was crying, uh, Nikak was crying. There was just it was a heartbreak, and from there to build and you know, come to 2022 as one of the sides to beat. Uh, and Karp is one of the, like, she's not just like a great South African all-rounder. She's a brilliant uh, franchise cricketer. Uh, she's won tournaments. I mean, she's part of the Perth Squatchers that won the WBBL. She was brilliant at the 100 recently. Uh, so she's just been doing it everywhere she goes. So that's the sort of the superstar power that, you know, that we've, we've seen. And that's kind of been visible at the World Cup already, uh, like where she is at her game as one of the best in the world. And on the other side of the spectrum, there is a Pooja Vastrakar, right? I mean, uh, a lot of people would know uh, right. the bigger, I mean, the more established Indian cricketers like Smriti and Mitali and Harman and all that. But uh, someone like Pooja Vastrakar, who's up and coming, who's done the hard yards in the domestic circuit, uh, who's had a lot of issues with injuries. She's had some wretched luck with injuries in the recent past uh, and she's been in and out of the 11 in the World Cup cycle could never really like nail down a place in the 11 and then she comes into the World Cup and she's top of the wicket taker charts and she's striking the ball harder than pretty much anyone at the lower uh, lower down the order in the tournament you know scoring scoring crucial runs she won the match against Pakistan with her bat and she superb against New Zealand with the ball she was again brilliant yesterday uh, or you know again the match against Bangladesh uh, with a bat and ball and every right. chance she's got she's impressed right and and right. just i mean when when the overview women's ipl does eventually happen that's the sort of player that teams are going to go for and that's the sort of platform they're going to look at right you know, she did so well at the world cup i mean she's going to be a huge all-round asset and that's the sort of player that uh, teams will look to build their 
uh, franchises upon and and the all round talent right just in general the amount of all round talent that we've seen in the world cup who wouldn't want like if a tournament is happening in india franchise tournament is happening in india who wouldn't want amelia kerr in their side i mean given how well she plays spin how how well she sweeps the ball cuts the ball she is so good against spin and then she has that brilliant ability to take wickets with the ball as well i mean she is a spinner who's become a batter uh sort of you know it's kind of on the other way around now that she is a more accomplished batter than she's probably a bowler but the way she rips a googly and you know her leg spin a tournament in india she yeah. would she would be huge and that's the sort of thing that when you see the world cup and you see the new zealand india series that those are the sort of things that start coming out and uh the more familiar they become uh to a cricket fan base like the one that we have in india the better it is i think i mean like we've seen in the ipl for instance you know it's not just the indian stars who are who have become household names i mean it's the overseas stars who you know like a mumbai indians fan would do anything yeah. for a kiran pollard i would imagine right so it's the sort of thing that uh, you know the the talent of the world cup will show you know uh, potential women's ipl you know the sort of star power that they can tap into marizan kaap and amelia kerr and elise perry talia megra these people right. would would become uh, overnight superstars when they play in a tournament like ipl and i think that's what we're seeing in the world cup that's just a reaffirmation of what we have known for a while to wbbl and ksl and the 100 and it's just reiterating what what we know what we've known about the game for a while right and i think i'm i'm glad you mentioned vastrakar because i feel like i was expecting snehana to do well at the uh, you know uh lower in the lower order but she has been just a revelation in this world cup and the other player that comes to mind is haley matthews um uh, you know since i watch primarily india women's uh women's cricket when india is playing so i had not seen too much of her and every time she's you know held on to the bat or the ball she's produced some magic and even if west indies have not won she's at least made the game very interesting so it's it's been really great fun yeah she's she's i think in terms of uh, star value she she actually was a player of the match in the 2016 women's uh, t20 world cup final uh, the the day that carlos brathwaite hit those sixes yeah. against ben stokes you know the, the afternoon that's right yeah west uh, indies has already won the women's world cup and then the men's team won the world cup and then the under 19 team went and won the world cup it was like a, a great yeah. year for the west indies uh, teams um in the, in the in the icc events and i think she was uh, a player of the match if i'm not wrong in that in that tournament that afternoon and she's had a little of a little bit of you know like a lot happened for her at a, at at a very young age and you know from there she kind of probably didn't realize her potential herself and she's just come to the world cup and just like broken through to what a lot of a lot of people were expecting her to be at the game, at, at at this level of the game for a while now and she, she's always had that star value to her uh, but the performances were just up and down and she's spoken about it she's recognized how you know just getting to open after a while she was a opener and then she went to the middle right. order now she's back like a concussion to rashada williams brought her to the top of the order just the day before the tournament and the first match she goes and scores a century right i mean that's the sort of happenstance turn around that could change uh, careers like and she's now like opening the batting opening the bowling there is turn on the wicket yeah <laughs> taking slip catches for fun and i think the all round talent as like she's one of those all rounders who would, would you know absolutely any team would love to have in their 
in their side. So she's, she's one of those superstars that we've seen at the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and from India's perspective, um, we've definitely seen some really good performances. I think when India was playing New Zealand, there were definitely concerns about the form um, of a number of players. But we've seen runs by Harmanpreet Kaur, Smriti Vandana, uh, Yastika Bhatti has scored 50s and, you know, we've already talked about Vastrakar and, and Snehrana. I think our base bowling has really been the only uh, sort of cause of concern uh, and, or, you know, you could say it hasn't been firing all, all cylinders and, you know, maybe we can say we can agree now that we've, we're missing Shikha Pandey a little bit. Um, do you think that's a fair assessment? No, we could agree about that like a month back that we were going to miss Shikha Pandey. So, <laughs> I personally don't think there's a there's any doubt there. Uh, but um, I, 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 I still think it depends. Like, I mean, it, it, it's going to depend on the results that we get in the tournament. That whether, like, by the time we look back and you know find out if India made the semi-finals or are India going into the finals or do they have a chance at winning. If India win, no one is going to right. talk about you know the selections that went wrong, right? I mean, that's it's as simple as that. That's how cricket works. You know, we can all sit and discuss, you know, what went right, what went wrong. And in, in, on April 5th, if India returned to uh, in, returned to Bombay as the world champions, you know, people are going to say, you know, what, what, what do you know about team selection? Right? So, the thing I think that... So, the pace, pace bowling department has been a concern for a while, right? I mean, that it goes irrespective of what we have seen in the World Cup and, you know, how things are going to go. And without any of that into consideration, pace bowling has been a concern for a while in terms of... Who takes over from Julian Goswami? It's not an easy position to fill. I and mean, they've been searching not just for a successor. Forget a successor. They've been searching for a good partner for Julian Goswami in terms of someone who would relieve the wicket-taking burden. I think what uh, frustrated a lot of Indian fans is the fact that they gave Shikha Pandey... Like, I mean, it, it was evident that Shikha Pandey is either going to take over from Julian or, you know, just be the, the in-swing partner to her outswing. Um, and in conditions like New Zealand, we've seen New Zealand itself use it brilliantly. We've seen Australia do it brilliantly. Megan Shute brings the ball back in, you know, significantly. And then from the other end, Darcy Brown or Elise Perry will take the ball away. It's it's something, it's bowling in partnerships, right? I mean, it's not just batting that depends in partnerships. But India missed out a trick in, you know, not selecting an in-swing bowler like Shikha Pandey, who is a weapon against the left-handers. Like, I mean, having her... In a, in a team when there are left-handers in the opponent and there are a lot, a lot of great left-handers in the tournament, she would have been a great matchup option. It's just, they were not consistent with her selection. She was, I mean, she probably, to to be fair, she didn't produce, like, undroppable numbers. Like, you, you couldn't say that she was, like, you know, it was absolutely unfair to drop her or something like that. She did really well in the chances... That she got in T20s in Australia, but I that somehow didn't convince the selectors. I, I I genuinely don't know how they could just like go completely rookie for the World Cup, so to speak. Like I mean, Meghna Singh and Renuka Singh could be uh, the future of the pace bowling departments, but they played very little in the build up to the World Cup, and then at the end of a five year World Cup cycle, we are just right. like you know throwing all that you've been working on and then going in a completely new direction. That sounded a little bit off to me and that is, there is no disrespect to Meghna or Renuka. Renuka hasn't played in the World Cup yet, but, you know, even Menuk, Meghna has actually done really well, you know, for all that being said about uh, Chika Pandey 
and her inswing and what she could have brought to the table. Meghna Singh has bowled really well. Uh, her outswings have been quite quite useful at the top of the order. She's been good in the power play. It's a concern going forward for sure. And I think pace bowling in general, what happens after Julen, you we still don't quite know. But I think in Pooja Vastrakar, if she can have that sort of you know uh, fitness issues aside uh, and able to handle the all-round workload, I mean, I think she'll be required a lot to do a lot of batting for the side. So how how she can manage her bowling and all that is, I think, something that, that sounds familiar for an Indian all-round perspective but i think that that will be interesting to see how she goes but the 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 depth is there i mean if shika pande could easily come in post the world cup and she could take take over the role of the leader so for the world cup itself i think it's a little bit of concern but also the fact that you know the pitches have largely helped spin i think has kind of negated that a little bit for india uh, there have been a few cases where you know the pace has just stood out but even i mean I think it was known. It was known also you going into the World Cup that spin will play a big role. Spin has always kind of played a big role in uh, women's ODIs, and and I think uh, that the fact that the pitches have turned and you know sort of a, a little bit dry and and all that that has helped the Indian bowling unit to a to a large extent. Mithali Raj, I'm sure we have everybody has talked and discussed and shared their views, and I don't I don't know if there's any good answer for this, but. Uh, do you think her form, her inconsistency is at this point, is, is it a moot point? Is it even like worth discussing? Because, uh, I mean, is the World Cup, it's going on. Is there anything that can even be said or any any more about uh, Mithali's form? Is that something that we should be concerned about? Concerned for sure. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure that she's concerned. I mean, I hope she's concerned because she's still the number one batter in the side, um, right? I mean... Mandana, Smriti Mandana and Mithali Raj and Harman Preet Kaur are still the three main weapons in your side and they, they have to be informed for a tournament. Just from a purely tournament perspective and a match, one one match at a time perspective, India need Mithali Raj in good form. I mean, she's... Uh, she, like, briefly touched upon it after the match against Bangladesh, saying, you know, this is probably the the most inconsistent phase that she's had since 2012 or something. I, I didn't look up the stats to, you know, back her statement up or anything. But, I mean, if she thinks that, I mean, it's probably true because she's, right. if anything, she's always been consistent, right? I mean, you expect the runs from her. It's, I mean, it's never been a question of her not scoring the runs. It's the, the, the debate around her has been you know, the way she scores her runs in, in recent times, not the fact that she scores or not. But at the World Cup, you've seen, you know, she's not just been able to Get that consistency going, and I think it will be a concern. And going to the last 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 leg of the tournament, I mean, if she can find uh, her form from the New Zealand series, like the the uh, five match series just before the World Cup, she was she I, that's probably the best I've seen her bat in a long time in terms of uh, the way she was middling the ball, the way she was uh, uh, you know using even using the lofted shots when he had when she had to and. Uh, she finished a series with a strike rate of. I, I know she doesn't like uh, doesn't like ben- mentioning this number, but she she finished with a strike rate of eighty plus in that five match series, and that's she. It seemed like she was really getting into the groove and you know, right. finding a new phase at the at the very end of her career. It hasn't happened. I I don't think it's like a huge like. I mean, it's not you're not going to drop your captain or anything at the end, at the end of the World Cup with the, the tournament on the line. That's that's absolutely not 
something that any team should consider let alone india so uh, in that sense i don't think it's a big talking point well i don't even know if there's any good replacement for her at this point um but it was just about how much is it yeah but how much is it is it hurting india's batting like her like lack of big scores india's like india's batting has been hurt yeah india's batting has been hurt by the inconsistency all around uh, i think they would have liked uh, a little more uh, you know steady middle order performance throughout the tournament uh, like i think they probably had one really good batting performance in my book uh, against the west indies and even that had to come after like a brief collapse right and and the australia the australia batting like 270 seemed like a really good score then and it was like the most runs any team had, like i mean it's it's a world record chase as things stand in, in, in the tournament right but i mean it at that time when right. they scored 277 it didn't feel like it was enough for me at least because i don't i wouldn't classify that as a perfect batting performance because they again lost their way after a good partnership and then they had to like rally late and all that so they've still not had that you know the perfect batting performance in the tournament and if it happens at the very end i mean if it's like leading up to uh, like you know all of them firing together in a match against south africa or you know or a knockout match then i don't think anyone's going to complain right so uh, it just feels like I, i think the feeling in the camp is that it's just the matter of you know all of them clicking together at you know once and if that happens they they do have a really solid batting lineup and and we've seen that in the recent past that they've addressed a few issues they've they know that they've had like in the maybe like the world cup cycle you know they've had issues with going big like i mean 250 has not always been uh, easy for them to achieve uh, batting first and you know chasing chasing has been great because you know smriti mandana is such a great chaser that they have in their side mitali raj is a is a brilliant chaser with a target in front of her she is probably they these two are you know one of the best in the world uh, so batting first has been a bit of an issue and it's uh they addressed it they worked on it in australia and then the new zealand series before and then they fallen back to you know the yeah. older slightly darker days of collapses and all that and it it, right. it is something that they i think the good thing is is it's something that they are aware of and and i think as long as they are aware of and they acknowledge the problems it's just a matter of it all clicking together once and i think if it happens it's it's probably it's probably a good thing that it hasn't happened so far and it could happen in the last you know couple of matches left in the tournament so so we also want to talk about um one of the articles you wrote last month when i um uh, you wrote about the intent around or the lack of intent i should say around uh, maintaining a social media presence for the women's team uh, from the bcci so we want to spend some time unpacking that um I think as Indian fans, we've you know tried to get updates, and I remember before the World Cup, the warm-ups, the the scorecards were incredibly confusing, and and we just never got an update from a BCCI handle. But um, I guess help us understand how is the BCCI doing in comparison to other boards? What are the boards around the world doing? Um, I think I think like a lot of uh, Indian cricket fans in general would agree that you know the. Uh, the content that bcci produces is is great for the men's team in terms of you know the chahal tv and the stuff that they come up at the end of the match you know the interviews between players and all that and it was evidently lacking at the start of the new zealand series uh, i from doing that story so it's it it 
the timing was a little bit of an issue. They had just had an under-19 World Cup uh, in the Caribbean and then the IPL auction was going on in India and then there was a bilateral India International Series, Men's International Series and it seemed like, you know, yeah. right, okay, so the Indian women are in New Zealand playing a bilateral against New Zealand, right? So, like, what's the big deal? We have other big things going on. It That was the, like, you could see that was a sense that you got from their social media handles at least and, you know, and to be fair to them, they've, like, picked it up since. Uh, it's not been, like, I wouldn't say they've given us, like, unqualified, successful content in that period since, but they've made an attempt. They've got gotten players to talk and they've done features on the sports psychologist. Uh, they've hired people interview each other like they do for men's team, even if it's not like produced as well as it is for the men's team. Um, it's I think the important thing is to make sure that the stories are out there, right? I mean, given the reach that they have, it's, it's important. Like a lot of people already right. know there is everything there is to know about a Rohit Sharma and a Virat Kohli, right? I mean, it's, you, you don't need, like, like, I mean, a Chahal TV to tell you how good Rohit Sharma is, for instance. But you could use, like, I mean, you, like, the, the women's game needs a little more reach right now. It's at the stage where, you know, it needs a little more push from the, their side. I'm not sure that's something that they get, right? I mean, they, uh, it, it, it seems almost as if, like, okay, so we are doing this much for a bilateral men's series and we'll try and do some somewhere close to the same for a bilateral women series it 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 has to be the other way around right i mean you need to do a little more for something that has to reach more than you know something that already has such a huge okay. established platform right i mean you put up any content for the men's team they're going to watch right i mean it's you know you don't have to they come up with a great content for the men's team to be <laughs> right i mean it's, it's you just need a little more effort for the women's and a little more understanding that you know we need to do like this is our duty to do a little more and we have the perform we have the platform we have the resources the resources is not i mean nobody says you know <laughs> we don't have the resources i can only laugh right i mean that's that's not an excuse at all i mean it's not a it's not a it's not a startup a news organization where you know funds are in crunch and you know manpower is an issue yeah, I don't buy that. I mean, that, that's been one of the arguments that's been given pro BCCI that, you know, they, they are also like short of resources and time and, you know, there are impart, other important things to be taken care of. That's actually been like some some people have given that excuse, which I absolutely don't buy at all, right? I mean, as, as the promoter of the game, as a board, as a federation, the richest cricketing body in the world, it's right. you just have to find like if you, if you really wanted to do it, you would have done it. Right? I mean, that's that's where it, it is for me. And if they really wanted to like produce the sort of content that an Australian women's cricket team, national cricket, women's cricket uh, handle does, look at the engagement they do. Like, I mean, the, the Ash Gardner catch uh, against South Africa, that the yeah. her one hand jump yesterday, they put out a small Photoshop thing of, you know, just Ash Gardner leaping in the Context. air. Yeah. And they asked fans to, you know, put this, you know, in a, in a different sort of like what WDA did with uh, tennis players, right? So, and it, it went viral. I mean, people lap up that sort of an engagement and they engage with handles, they engage with Indian fans. Like they put out a story before the India-Australia match uh, saying, you know, great India-Australia World Cup matches and uh, the, the photo had uh, some three photos, <laughs> but they, it didn't have any of the Harman Preet Core 171 and India fans went out. Like, how do you leave that out? And the, they replied to the Indian fans saying, you know, because we are the Australian team. I mean, why would we want to remember that? 
you know it's a sort of it's a sort of content that it's, it's very easy to do you just need one person who has the bandwidth who has the like who has the news to do it and it's you roll with it i mean the content there is no shortage of content right it's just you know the the <laughs> like the like the, the things that it's it's the intent to do that you know like i mean do we really want to and i think a lot of like pakistan for example their content has been so good in this world cup uh, they have a person called hasan in their uh, social uh, in their media team and he's been putting out great content with uh, the team in the dressing room they've lo- they've won one match right but they've never they, that they hasn't stopped <laughs> producing content like even from the time they landed in new zealand you know bowlers two two pace bowlers trying to hit one wicket the uh, one stump challenge and things like that you know very small like two minute clips right. that tell you a lot more than you know just who the players are right i mean it tells you what kind of atmosphere is there in the dressing room it's the sort of things that fans want to know and it's it's easy to do and this is not something that it's the easiest way to do it right i mean it's yeah. any other change that you talk about like i mean okay so the, the women's game needs this the women's games need grassroots it needs a first better first class cricketer uh, cricket structure ipl wbbl all that is these are all huge changes right i mean i we can easily sit and say and i understand that these are all huge building blocks that need to change but social media content is not it's right. easy you just need one person with internet and a smartphone and you can do whatever you want with it it's the easiest change to do and when there is resistance for that that kind of i think it's it's just a little sad to see i think a lot of teams have done that well i mean so uh, australia are expectedly way ahead of the rest when it comes to that england do a really good job pakistan have been fantastic in terms of producing good content during the world cup and and, and icc to their to their credit they they put out some wonderful wonderful content during this tournament on the on their website the video section on their website is filled with great features they have great insiders digital insiders uh, you know someone like snehal who knows the snehal pradhan knows the game inside out it and they brought her in to do a lot of content which you know there is no better person i mean when someone who is great at content and great at cricket uh, gets to do stuff it shows right and, and, and that's the sort of thing that you see when you know the the right people come come together to do the right sort of stuff the results can be seen and and i think icc have done a wonderful job during throughout the tournament for all teams in terms of the way they have they've marketed it so far right and it's um it's interesting you mentioned the english team and the australian team doing a better job and i was thinking about it uh, as you were saying that and when the pandemic started um we were all stuck at home and we didn't have you know uh places to go work out and things like that and i i had i found this random video of uh i can't remember which english cricketer it was but uh, one of the cricketers working out in their garage and showing how you can use daily household things to uh, to actually you know fit, fit in a workout and i use that so many times and that shows that you know their commitment to producing content even when the world cup is not on so the least we can expect from the bcci is when the biggest tournament in 5 years is on we should we should see consistent uh, information flowing they, they've done some interviews like i mean they've done some come come up with some content i mean they don't like i mean yeah. they put it up on their website and they don't really like promoted the way it should be done and that's all for another time but they've they've at least put in the effort given that given the complete lack of complete radio silence at the start of the new zealand series was worrying and that's that's right. changed a little bit so i think 
that part must be acknowledged but i just wish it, it came a little easier and it came without all the badgering from fans and you know <laughs> and all that it just yeah. it, it needs to be a little more natural and a little more uh, organic and, and i guess right absolutely and and i guess my thought there is if this is the state of their national team how bad is it when we talk about under 19 challengers trophy or the senior odi tournament that the women play uh i i don't follow a lot of those i just read news through cricket info but, but uh what are your thoughts on that so they they broadcast like i mean the challenger trophy was broadcast for the four team event uh, they had a it was at a, at one city they they had two venues and one of the, the main venues they had all the matches shown and uh, they they brought in former coach wv raman they have reema malhotra snehal pradhan people who followed the game very closely commenting on it and 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 um they've done a good job like even the senior one day trophy the problem was you know them being like you know selective about what what matches to show but that's there for the men's domestic cricket too it's not like when a mumbai tamil nadu ranji matches on they show some other uh, tournament because that's where they have the camera crew right i mean that that i'm sure pisses off a lot of men's domestic cricket fans too so it's it's uniform <laughs> in that sense uh, but uh, the the domestic production has been i mean i, I don't think there is like too much cause for complaint there uh, they they broadcast matches the challenger trophy we could watch all matches in the, the, the mullapada stadium and they uploaded clips of those on the the bcci website like we can go back and check and even the senior one day trophy the the knockout stages were shown and those clips are available as well so it's it's they they do a decent job in, in terms of whether i mean it's just purely from a broadcast and like you know content point of view but i mean whether the tournament whether they do enough at that level in terms of an administrative point of view that's a whole another debate and i think i i'm not very qualified to answer that but i mean the short answer would be no right so they there is a lot more that needs to be done in the at that level administrative wise but they they've done a decent job in showcasing those tournaments so so vinek as as we wrap up and i'm not going to ask about i'm not even going to get into women's ipl and all of that but i do want to ask you um for and i'm talking about indian women's cricket you know like for all the things that we talked about like there's there's so much scope for improvement in like social media engagement in the way the game is covered the way the players developed and encouraged do you think a big trophy win like the world cup would change things will create like a big um you know when you think about the big events in indian men's cricket you know all the world cup wins how that created like the ipl or how it created you know this massive influx uh within uh the bcci like as far as just developing the game and growing the game do you think that's what women's indian women's cricket is lacking uh, do you think like a trophy will change things for them i think that's it's it's, it's two ways to look at that um i don't think it should and of course it would help right i mean it would help if they won a tournament and it like if 2017 they had won the world cup you know scoring those nine runs at the end that mattered maybe we already would have had a women's ipl i mean it's it's unfortunate if that's what it takes for right. the for those who run the game uh, to do what they're supposed to do uh, because it shouldn't right i mean whether they win the world cup whether they score those nine runs or not shouldn't determine 
what the body that runs the game should do right i mean you're not you're not looking at okay so they didn't score those nine runs so i'm not going to do an ipl right right i mean that's that's not how things should be right you have to do an ipl so that it, next time around they score those nine runs right i mean that's right. ideally in an ideal world you know in a world where people thought straight that would have happened right but it didn't uh, also just one correction I, i don't think the ipl happened because of the world t20 win the ipl was already announced before the 2007 world cup it was in the works and it right whether ms dhoni won that world t20 in 2007 or not the men's ipl would have happened i'm i'm right. i mean i would it it was announced already it was in the works it was already like the icl already triggered stuff and all that so i i think right. it, it's important to note that you know it was not a causation thing i mean the, the, it helped the ipl get off to right. like a massive start i mean the the world t20 certainly played a part in that but i think the ipl would have happened anyway and it, that's that's the way it should be right i mean you you want to do the stuff that you're supposed to be doing to grow the game and those that shouldn't be result based right i mean you can't right. turn around and say okay so you didn't win this match yesterday so tomorrow you're not going to play that's not how things work right i mean you're supposed to give them the right platform to get better and you know do this sort of stuff that you're supposed to do as the governing body and not look at i hate the fact that you know every time a debate about women's ipl comes someone comes and says you know the talent pool is not there as the same as the men's talent pool it was when 2007 and 2008 happened there were more players available in the men's game the domestic structure was better the talent pool was bigger so the men's ipl worked it, someone someone always comes up with this argument and this debate is going on and it's it's something that it's a huge pet peeve of mine because when you look back and see the 2008 ipl squads and honest to god like if you can see the csk squad and you know rr squad in 2008 now and tell me all 15 or 20 of those players in the squad were bona fide superstars then you're lying right i mean that's absolutely not true it is it's it's a cycle right i mean you start a tournament and the stars come out of the tournament right i mean the tournament is needs to take the talent pool and make it bigger right you can't keep saying you know there is not enough right. talent and whose job is it anyway to widen the talent pool i mean if you think the talent pool is not deep enough what are you doing you're not doing your job then right isn't it your job to right. why does make the talent pool big enough to have an ipl in the first place how can that be an excuse to not have an ipl right it's a self defeating prophecy right i mean you keep saying the talent pool is not there so we'll right. have a look at it when there is enough players available then do your bloody job and get enough players available to start a tournament right i mean it's already right. a lot of people think that 2017 was the right time when they reached the final 2018 should ideally have seen a start of the tournament we've already had wbbl for a few years by then and even now you know two days back when kate cross gave a press conference she was asked about charlie dean uh, england north spinner 21 year old who's just come into the tournament midway turned the game completely against india right uh, the team was desperate they lost all their matches three matches their world cup defense was in tatters comes this young off spinner and then breaks the back of an indian batting lineup with harmanpreet kaur in such good form and picks up those four wickets and then in against new zealand she at eden park with such a huge home support she goes and turns the game again back to back matches kate cross comes and says without ksl and 100 it wouldn't have happened right i mean charlie dean wouldn't have 
had a had the chance yeah. to you know come and own the stage in her first world cup as a youngster if she hadn't had that sort of background yeah. uh, playing in the 100 in such in, in front of such huge fans in, with overseas stars and all that players are telling you that i mean <laughs> successful teams are telling you that that it plays a role uh, talia megrath uh, she's going to be a huge all rounder in the game she's been she's had such a breakthrough last one year for australia right. anyone you speak to about talia megra they'll tell you wbbl is what made talia megra what she is today she made her debut long time back and she couldn't hold her place down she went back to domestic circuit did her rdrs got the breakthrough in wbbl and she's now owning the international stage you keep saying that you know we don't have the talent we need right. a world cup for it to happen why <laughs> you know i i i said we were not going to get into this about the women's ipl but here we are <laughs> So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, right. No. No. That, so, so short answer to that is I don't think like winning a World Cup should matter. It will certainly help, right? I mean, what 1983 did for the men's cricket team, what the 2007 World T20 that did for the Indian cricket, there is no denying the fact that I mean, it, obviously, if you win a World Cup, it's going to you have a huge impact on the game. People want to pick up the bat, go out and play. You're going to inspire young boys and girls to take up the sport. There is absolutely no doubt about that. it will help in whatever comes next but a tournament and doing the bare minimum right. as an organizer as a as an administrator shouldn't right. depend on whether a team wins a tournament or not like you shouldn't put these players in a position where you know they're playing for the future right you go and win a tournament and then we'll give you the future that you deserve right that's that's absolutely ridiculous right you play the tournament we'll give you the best possible platform for you to do well there right that should be the way the people who run the game should look at it right we'll give you all the resources we'll give you the 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 best platform you go out there and do your job right it should not be that you know you dangle a carrot in front of them saying you know look go get that trophy and then see what happens that's it, absolutely it's it's sad if that is how they see it in 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 the bcci headquarters i mean i hope that i mean you know irrespective of what happens in the rest of the world cup that you know it doesn't determine where the game goes from here it, sh- it should never be the case absolutely i think i think your point is well taken and uh, if somebody thinks the ipl was started because we had the talent let's remind them that misbah and faseem jafar opened for rcb so we've we've come a long way well regardless of whether it will or it should change things for indian women's cricket I, from an indian perspective i i really hope they can go on to create an ups- uh, an upset because at the moment australia look invincible um nobody can seem to get past meg landing and i don't know something has to happen for that to change and i really hope uh, indian women have it in them to change uh, the outcome of the world cup as it looks right now uh, it looks like uh, the australian women are probably going to win it but vinak thank you so much for uh making some time for us and just sharing your thoughts on the women's world cup and uh the state of indian women's cricket uh, from your perspective and uh for our listeners you can find more of vinayak on twitter at @vinayakkm and you can check out his work at scroll.in uh but vinayak thank you so much and please do come back again on the last wicket yeah sure thank you thanks for having me appreciate it thank you for listening to another episode of the last wicket This podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your hosts Benny, 
Mayank, Nish, and Himanish. For more details, please visit thelastwicket.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.